Be careful what you wish for. Jobless claims popped higher today. We have ADP that came out and said private payrolls are decreasing. We have job openings that have dipped below 10, 10 million for the first time in two years. And yet, yet look, job losses that are taking place are up fivefold this year compared to last year. The all signals should tell us that the Fed is going to stop hiking interest rates, which should be a good sign for the bulls and for stocks. However, now we're talking about recession. And now we have that to worry about. Welcome everyone, ladies and gentlemen, to Buy, Hold, Sell. I am your trader, Todd Schoenberger, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Tobin Smith, out in sunny and hot Scottsdale, Arizona. Toby, I know that you are not feeling well right now, so we really appreciate you coming on. I know the audience is just on the edge of their seats, just waiting. They're just glad you were a long <laughs> distance away, though. <laughs> That's for sure. Don't make me laugh, so- it hurts. It hurts, okay? <laughs> and we uh, do have a very special guest with us, yeah. though. It is Steve Straza. He is the director of research at allstarcharts.com. And Steve, I want to go to you first because you you have a lot to say, but here we have the big jobs number um, that's going to be coming out tomorrow. But with all the headwinds, I mean, forget about the jobs report. you got earnings next week. You have so many other factors that are taking place. What are you telling investors these days? You know, it's weird. It's really a tale of two markets right now, right? Uh, a chart that I've been bringing along and sharing a lot with clients is it's showing tech moving in one direction and then banks moving in an opposite direction over the past month now, right? I don't think that's sustainable. I think you always need the banks to at least participate in the real bull market. But then meanwhile, for the bulls, we can give you a long list of bullish developments that keep coming. Right? And we continue to see risk on developments. Sure, there's been a little bit of a defensive trade over the trailing few weeks, but you know, big cap tech is ripping and growth stocks in general are ripping. And I think it's really an interest rate story. We have to be very cautious of the banks right now. I'm watching the regional banks because they're the, la- they're the market laggards right now. And there's always information in the laggards in the sense that they should lead to the downside, right? If we're going to make a fresh leg lower and the S&P is headed back to the lower bounds of its range, then I think that you're going to see the regional banks lead that, right? So you're going to see these bear flags break lower. That's probably going to mean XLF and financials below those prior cycle highs. And I think things get dicey if that's the outcome. Okay. All right. Well, Toby, what do you think? I'm with you. Here's what I didn't quite understand. So I'm I'm the macro guy, right? And you can't get inflation down to 2%-ish unless you have exactly what we're having right now. Slowing, job cuts, less, you know, all that stuff, right? So in the past, when we got bad news, you know, it was bad news was good news, right? Because bad Bad news meant that the Fed. So then I'm looking at this, uh, you know, today from yesterday. It's blurry. It's blurry. Yeah. Oh, is it blurry? Okay. Uh, oh, there you the, go. Yeah, yeah. The shares decline on signs of slowdown. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What, now we have what, to worry about the recession. Yeah. What was different about yesterday than than the slowdown we've been having for the last 60, 90 days? I, you know, that that's sort of the fickle finger of fate award when it comes to uh, the the street because you know it's like you know I didn't really care about it two days ago, but all of a sudden, oh my God, we're actually slow. Well, geez, that means we probably have a recession. And oh, by the way, uh, and to JC's credit, your guys' credit, you had said back in June of last year that basically, you know, we hit sort of this bottom and we retested it a couple of times. But now if slowing uh, growth does mean lower earnings per share, which does mean overall uh, lower stock, then we shook it off in a day. That's what I think is just so bizarre for people. And you're a price action guy. I'd love to know, you know, between the 3,800 and the 4,100, 
100. Yeah. What do you think does it take for us to break out of that channel? Really, you want to see an expansion in market internals. But I would like to just speak to your point about bad news being good news in the past and maybe yeah. the changing. I think you just, you, you really want to watch the bond market for that because you're right. Bad news was good news for so long. We kind of got used to that. We've all been dying for the Fed to pause. Now that the market's pricing in a Fed pause, what if they start pricing in a recession, right? And bad news actually becomes bad news. You want to watch the bond market. I think rates this year will be like the dollar last year, where I feel like we were constantly pointing to the dollar in 2020 yeah. and saying, you know, what are, the, what are the intermarket implications if the dollar peaks here? And we saw stocks bottom, right? Right around last fall when the dollar peaked. I think this year, the big intermarket story will be rates, right? Are they just in a sideways range here? Or do they take out these 2018 highs, which for the 10 is like three, two, five, and plunge lower? If you start to see rates, Rates really start moving lower with momentum. That's never a good thing. That's the market pricing in right. more bad news, recessionary yeah. stuff. And that bond market volatility will flow through. It always flows through and it will impact risk assets. You'll see. Yeah, some that's, that's, a, that's a great point. I started off as a bond salesman, you know, when your parents were born and um, I uh, used to sell <laughs> like, you know, I would when in 1982, when the 10 year bond was 14 and a half percent, 14.78% to be exact, I would go to these pension plans and and I would say, do, do you understand that you're buying uh, uh, in the for the existing bonds, you're buying these things at about a 65% discount rate to their actual base value. And when the rates go back, you're going to make more money on the appreciation of your bond than on this freaking 13, 14% yield. And they would say, you know, Toby, you're so crazy. The things, everything's going to 20%. And those people got so soured. And one of those funds was down your way, like the Key West firefighters, you know, pension plan or something. And I looked them up like 10 years later. And that the, the eight million they put into bonds that time was worth about ninety eight million dollars, and it just goes to show when people are confused. To your point, the bond market is the only binary yes no thing we can look at, uh, and so I'm yeah. with you on that. I um you know people I mean for people at home to understand that if I who's a money manager and if I'm buying you know ten year treasury bonds, I'm buying them defensively. I think the world's going south, and I know that their value are going to go up because the yields are going to come down because that's a safe place to hide. Yeah. But I also think it, it, the, the same di dynamic deep, uh, is about the, the megatech stocks. If yeah. you don't need to borrow money, matter of fact, you have a trillion dollars or more in cash in 10 years and 20 years and you know in money markets, that's a safe place. They, they don't need to borrow money. Their business models are recurring. But this time you're buying them for a reason, not just FOMO, YOMO, HOLO. It, it, there's a real reason for safety in a slowing economy to buy technology companies that have monthly recurring revenues. That makes sense. I think, so if it's a slowing economy and that's why rates are falling, I think they'll be falling faster. They'll, they'll be falling with that, you know, alarming rate of change to the downside, yeah. which will which will cause volatility, right? If they're just dripping lower or if they're in some sort of sideways range, but trending lower, there are some risk assets that can do really well in that environment, right? We're talking about rates just peaking or at least, the Fed's hiking cycle being over for now, right? Yeah. You got Bitcoin, big cap tech, bonds will do well, bullion, the four Bs, right? Yeah, gold. They're all long duration assets in a way. Maybe gold is a little bit different, right? But the other three, they're long duration assets. And when rates come down, the way that we value these things, right? The discount rate on that comes down and the future cash flows are worth more, right? It's, it's really as simple as that. It's just math. So I well, think what we're seeing yeah, from big cap tech. Yes, is Steve, you're right, but, but there is no cash flow on Bitcoin. There is no cash flow on gold. No, but aren't they really the longest duration, long duration assets, even though they don't have cash flows yet? We treat yeah. them like tech stocks. 
Which yeah, is I, you know, listen, I'm, I'm the original Bitcoin bear because it's only cost me about $25 million and when I could have bought the freaking stuff for, for nothing. <laughs> Not that I'm bitter. That's another story, Steve. That's a whole other story. <laughs> Not that three guys from my high school came to me and asked me to borrow some money to buy Bitcoin in 2013. I said, listen, I love you guys. I, I don't want to, you know, be enemies. <laughs> now, now they live in Santa Monica with $100 million of Bitcoin apiece. <laughs> <laughs> and they send me notes every once in a while. Sucker. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, I'm, you know, Bitcoin to me is an alternative issue. Bitcoin in, in my, still in my perspective, is that you have to have a certain uh, rationality. You have to have a certain political libertarianism type, you know, feeling that says that when all that fiat money goes down, this thing really has value because there's a, there's a fixed amount of number. I understand that. Yeah. The yeah. JC turned me on to the gold trade back in June. I mean, we always, when the dollar's going down, we always buy silver and gold. And, you know, I actually buy those uh, Credit Suisse uh, income funds, the SLBO and the USOI. Yep. And, the and so, and, and, and also, let me just preface this for the audience. We had, I'll set it up. JC Peretz was, uh, he's from All Star Charts. He did a show with us on Buy, Hold, Sell a few yep. months ago uh, that was extremely successful. Yeah. So we welcome the audience to go back to that and um, and listen or view it. And I think you'll get a lot out of it. But real quick, guys, I do have a question because there seems to be, are we a bit premature in thinking that rates are going to be going down? I mean, you have the jobs report coming out. It's the last jobs report before the May 3rd meeting. You have a CPI number that's coming out. I know the Fed, that's not their big uh, gauge for inflation. But regardless, you don't have, I'm not seeing, the, the fight for inflation is still going on. So yeah. you have to suspect that the Fed is going to hike again. It could even be later on. I mean, we're not, I don't think we're out of the woods at all, but Wall Street seems to, they want something to happen that just isn't happening that fast. I'll start this, Todd, just this way. Steve does price action. Price action is is the truth. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's what actually people are doing. Right. At, a, at a different level, though, the, the narrative, you know, when we went through this, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, the last couple of weeks, you know, we had some problems with the banks. It seems like it's like we've already forgotten that. <laughs> um, but, but when the entire U.S banking system is now tightening their credit uh, standards and their duration and selling off those bonds and, you know, doing what they should have been doing, which is to at least hedge their exposure to these long duration assets, blah, blah, blah. That is tightening. And I think a, a lot of people that I follow and respect have come up with the number individually that sort of that's like a half a percent or a 50 basis point rate hike simply because of this tightening in the, in the banking system and in the monetary system. Probably and more. I and probably say. more. I, Steve, I agree. So that's the new narrative that I think holds a lot of water, that the Fed really, maybe they're going to raise 25 base points again, because I've argued that you can't, you know, if, if you saved the banks, then you can raise, you know, 25 basis points and you're not putting people at risk. And so that, that mixed message would get lost. But but the actuality is, is this, this tighter 50 basis point monetary system from the rest of the regional banking. Look at the biggest risk in the banking system are their commercial real estate loans. And nobody knows where, where that is. But if you look at the small banks and even the regional banks, they're 90% of that uh, lending. And I don't know about y'all, but we have three buildings down the street about two miles away in beautiful North Scottsdale office building area that have been foreclosed uh, in, in the last two weeks. And they don't so, even know how to value these things, Toby. Right. I, what are these things worth on their balance sheet? Because they have no comps. 
right? So that's a huge issue too. Yeah, you can't really trust their books right now. Yeah, so I mean, the next shoe to fall in the banking system is going to be as soon as they start reporting these repossessions. I mean, Pacific Life had one of their books, you know, taken. Uh, San Francisco, of course, is in sad, sad, sad shape uh, because everybody's moving to Key West. I don't understand it. And uh, (laughs) so, you know, we're not out of the woods here. And these these assets, these, you know, that's the next shoe to fall in the banking system. But to my original point, then that rate, that tightens uh, the monetary system even more, which now we're finally seeing the slope that I've been looking for, just doing the math on on growth, on job growth. We're actually below 10 million, as you said, Todd. We're gonna somewhere we're gonna meet somewhere in the middle. It's not gonna be a 50-50 thing where we lose jobs, gain jobs, and we sort of you know score off at five million. But w- there's yeah, it, it, you know, the narrative shifts, it seemed like every 10 to 15 days. And right now, if the we are slowing and that the, the Fed is done, then I'm sorry, but I go back to the same malarkey we had uh, you know four months ago, which was, oh yeah, the, the the Fed's gonna pivot, they're gonna start cutting by 50 basis points. Not gonna yeah. happen because if right, they do right. that, that tells the bond market. To Steve's point, that something is really effed up here, and I'm running to those 30-year, 10-year bonds for pure safety. I don't care what I pay for them, and that's bad news for stocks. So, are you yeah. are you suggesting that maybe they do this last 25 basis points just because they don't want to spook the market by not doing it? Yeah, that's that, that's my yeah. call. I think a lot of other people have the same call. Yeah, simply like because. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that was hurtful. That what, was hurtful. Is, what is 25 basis points going to do now? That nothing. From, nothing. From the bank. <laughs> it's, just, it's, nothing. it's just telling the story. That it's symbolic. We yeah. have this under control. We understand what's going on. Don't worry about it. But we don't want to start the narrative that we're cutting here because we actually see everything in real time, 24 by 7, 365. We've got 115 freaking PhD economists that see every bank, every every member of the Federal Reserve, they see exactly what they own. Yeah. Now, somehow yeah. they missed Silicon Valley Bank, you know, so that sort of dented their credibility a bit. So they don't want to be in that position because it's all confidence, Steve. I mean, at the end of the day, giving your money to a bank yeah. is a confidence you're going to get it back plus interest. Yeah. Buying this, you know, shares in stocks is that you're a confidence in what yeah that's the only business they're in they're in the confidence business when confidence gets broke look at 2007 2008 yeah Uh, yeah you know We've made great strides in uh, in every bank that's above the $250 billion mark. I'll still never understand why. Yeah, but we can still let the shitty guys, you know, borrow as much money as they want and have no assets. But we need the big guys to be solvent. Well, well, now we got to look at the people under $250 billion uh, and solve that problem. That's right. That's right. I tell you what, let's, let's close it out on that note there, because I do want to get both of your thoughts coming up after the break about that, because Jamie Dimon came out and said, the problems with the banking sector, we should not be forgetting them because that's likely going to be the catalyst that's going to lead this country into a recession. And, and I'll be interested. To, Todd, I'll be if, interested. I don't, if I don't make it for the next section, it's because I've died of snot. I, 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 there you go. But I do want to know, if that's the case, what's that mean for stocks and what investors need to hear? My so we'll death, get into what does that, that mean for stocks? I don't care. Very, exactly. We'll be, it'll be horrible. It'll be the end of this show. That's for sure. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, but, <laughs> so, okay. Well, we'll talk about that in um, the break. So we have Steve Straza. He's director of research from allstarcharts.com with us. And he's going to stick with us right after the break. So please stay with Woo-hoo. us. Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called 
Can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue-collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian operative Naomi Nutt. Through a roller coaster journey, of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis, from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss, is forever locked for posterity as one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about, and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Welcome back to Buy and Hold Sell. Well, the S&P 500 did close a little higher today. However, for the week, and this abbreviated week because of the holiday, it's our first losing week in the last four. But what's that mean for next week? Because we have so much going on. You've got earnings coming out. You have a CPI report coming out. And all of this is on the tail of the jobs report, which comes out tomorrow, even though the markets will be closed. So we do have Steve Straza. He is director of research. He is with allstarcharts.com. He's with us today on Buy, Hold, Sell. And Steve, one thing that we just learned about you uh, during the break is that you actually have an accounting background. You would would be known to go into some of these banks. You know how to audit the banks. So now with all the troubles that we heard from the banking sector over the last few weeks, and then Jamie Dimon at JP Morgan said, that's probably going to be the catalyst that's going to really get this economy down into a recession. What do you think, though? What's that mean for investors? I mean, should we be looking for safety or should we maybe maybe consider taking a little bit more risk? If Jamie Dimon is right, and I think there's a fair chance that he might be, it's going to be a problem, right? Like one thing we say as technicians, one thing that you know I've learned over the years, you don't have real bull markets without the banks, without all the financials. You can't have the financials falling like they have been and the rest of the market doing fine. Yeah. Sure, 
you'll have divergences and moments where that'll dislocate for months at a time even. We're seeing it right now. It's not sustainable. So I think we need to watch the price action there. And what it's telling us right now, if I look at a chart of the regionals, they were making new lows just yesterday. Yeah. If these, so what happened was in March, we flushed flushed lower. Uh, These were nasty distributive patterns already, but we got a huge, you know, heavy move to the downside on the Silicon Valley bank blow up. Then ever since mid, they've just been boiling. So they're in bearish continuation patterns. And if there's one thing that we know about these bearish continuation patterns is that they tend to continue in the direction of the underlying trend. If the banks start resolving lower from these little multi-week continuation patterns, that's the banks telling us through the price action, through the message of the market, that there are probably more bank failures to come. I think Jamie Dimon would be spot on if that's the price action that plays out in the coming. Well, that, Steve, that more is a- bank failures, more bank failures. That's a big, that's yeah. a hot take right, right there. Right. I, but- and, and here's the thing. There's a fundamental reason too, right? All of these regional banks, they're in the business of lending. So- you know, everybody wants to come out and it's such a hot take right now to say this is not systemic. Here's what is systemic and I know is systemic. Interest rates rose at the fastest pace of all time in, in history, right? And all of these banks have to manage that risk, right? So if you didn't do a great job balance sheet management and you have a ton of unrealized losses in your securities portfolios, that's a systemic risk that all of these banks are dealing with to some extent, right? Yeah. And if people, if investors keep taking their money out, then that's eventually going to, you're going to see, you know, more banks actually blow up in the same exact way of Silicon Valley. Yeah, Steve, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, you know, here's here's the, on one hand or other hand, macroeconomist. On this hand, we have three and a half going to about five trillion in money market accounts yeah. that are connected with brokerage accounts. So that's more dry fuel than we've ever had, you know, on a percentage basis of the mar- market, the market cap of the market and money market accounts. Yeah. On the other hand, by moving your money from your 035 of 1% interest rate on your CD to today, four and a half, four and three quarters in a money market fund makes that deposit go away, which then the banks need to raise their rates to keep just their deposits. Uh, and because they're operating on these highly leveraged portfolios, that's the definition of, of a bank problem, of a systemic banking problem, because you're, I'm watching the CD rates as close as I'm watching the, the bond, because your, your point is extremely well taken. If the, if the banks are hurting, then their yield, their, their threshold for risk goes down and their threshold for problems goes up. That, that's not healthy for an economy. I, I think like an important point about all this is Silicon Valley Bank didn't blow up because they were messing around with credit default swaps or some sort of weird mortgage-backed securities or doing funky stuff. It wasn't fraud. It was nothing. This is banking 101. This is what banks are in the business of doing. They have to make more money on their investments than they're paying on their deposits. When rates move up very quickly the way they did the past several years, that, that game becomes a lot harder. Right. So I don't think they're the only ones who are vulnerable right now. And for everybody to go around saying this is not systemic, maybe systemic is just a bad word that we should throw out and never use again uh, because of the financial (laughs) crisis. It's a broad issue. Right. It's something that all these lending businesses uh, are going to deal with. And even the money center banks, which should be fine. And all I'm hearing is about how they're going to benefit from this and get more deposits because of it, which is probably true. The market's not pricing in great stuff for them either because Bank of America doesn't look so good. JP Morgan doesn't look so good. Maybe the market's pricing in there, the fact that they're, they're going to be the ones paying for all this. If you're going to insure all of these deposits, the banks are going to be the ones pooling money into that insurance fund. So maybe that's the market kind of discounting that aspect of it. But none of the banks look good. And that's never a good thing for the broader market. Well, I, I, Steve, I, I, you know, great to have you on the show. I, and the fact you agree with me is fantastic because that makes me <laughs> I agree too much with you. I usually like to argue a little bit more, get some good. Yeah. I, I agree with you too much. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I will, you know, Todd, I, I do think 
you know, for listeners out there who, you know, are nervous and people are nervous. I, I just always say that, look, at when I get paid 5% almost in my interactive broker's, you know, money market account for doing nothing and I'm sleeping better at night because I'm not worried, then th that's the approach you need to take. There's nothing wrong with not calling the bottom uh, of a, you know, stock market cycle. There is something wrong if you miss the top. But that's that's you know that's that's water under the bridge. Use every uh, hackneyed metaphor there is. But as you if you have enough cash, you're not worried. Then that allows you to be brave when it's you know it's it's valuable to be brave. I'll use this example. So we are uh, we just put a big research report out on the uh, artificial intelligence world. And I, my research group of about 1,500 uh, people around the world, uh, I didn't realize that about 50 to 70 are actively in the AI space, et cetera. And I, it's been just wonderful over the last couple of weeks to put this stuff together. The AI revolution is off and running. And regardless of whether C3.AI, which got a report out that they were had bad uh, banking or bad disclosure stuff, which, you know, again, it's it's a, a bizarre to me in, in, a, in this world where I, as a short seller, can put out a report against C3AI, be actively short that stock and make money based on my opinion. That's a topic for another day. But the AI business has launched into a global phenomenon. You know, every 15 years or so, we get the tech stack transformation. We went from MS-DOS, and then we went to, you know, Windows, and we went to iOS, and we're now going to be in this next great thing. That opportunity is not going away. Any has nothing to do with the banks. It has to do with, you know, a variety of other driving factors. So you, you don't want in my messages, you don't want to get too down on the market. But to Steve's point, you better be aware. And the the telltale sign is the banks, are the financials, because they're the ones that remember Silicon Valley's banks issue was that I believe like a lot of people, and this is no shot at you, Steve, but if if the person wasn't working during 2006, 2008, 2009, and gone through that, or even you know like for me. Cut through the you know early 1980s when yeah. raised rates to 17 18 percent. I think it's beyond a person's imagination of what can happen when you know yeah. bank rates go up this fast. And essentially, the Fed made those 30-year bonds and 10-year bonds that Silicon Valley had no business owning without a, a wrap, some type of uh, right. Rent. It made them into toxic assets. And the yeah. only way that they escaped this was that they were under $250 billion market cap. They didn't have to mark to market report that. Well, the other right. risk I would say, Steve, that's coming is, is this always happens when we get a big bar is there's going to be a lot more regulation on the banks under $250 billion. And market to market your losses means that the other side that people never imagined, people don't know that between 1986 and, and, and 1994, we had 1,500 savings and loan banks close. No one ever mentions that. Right. And it's almost the exact same situation where we were raising rates and they had luck and they, yeah. and they had to mark to market and, and they closed. They went bankrupt. Well, we're not so going to have see, that. But well, let's hope that, not. Yeah. Underneath the surface, if you're totally mismatched what people, the, the regulators too, I'm sure they're all like yeah. 28 years old, didn't understand is that the deposits are not locked in. Yeah. I, people can say, please, I like this back. Here's, right, they never right. imagined a bank run. They never imagined. So, so Steve, going with that, because Toby's talking about, you know, be aware, be cautious, fire beware. You could be in cash if you want. You're collecting 5% on a money market. But if you are going to be invested, just be be just be aware of the surroundings is basically what he's saying. But with that, we see, I mean, are you can you speak on gold? Because of all places, gold 
is almost to its all-time high right now and still seems to be um, and we're rising. buying gold miners for the first time in 35 years listen yeah what do gold, you think gold looks great you probably already know how i feel because jc was on here a few weeks ago he's so bullish he's he's like a gold bug again he's so- a gold bug i told him i was gonna send him a picture of his head in gold he doesn't like He's a gold bug. Um, 2000, right? 2100. We got to get above there to really complete this breakout. But if you zoom out on a chart of gold, I mean, it's beautiful. It's a nice handle. I mean, this base has been building for so long, absorbing all the overhead supply at this level. What we say is the more times the level has been tested, the more likely it is to break. We've been up at these former highs a couple of times now, the 2011 highs too, right? If and when we finally go, you got to be long. The miners are going to be on fire. Uh, It's probably a good place to be. Steve, Steve, I'm also going to tell you that uh, now that I'm becoming more Zoom worthy. We're going to set it up so uh, you can show those charts when we're doing these interviews. You know, uh, I would love to bring charts next time. Yeah. Let's do it. Because yeah, it, it really tells a story. At some point in time, the words run out and your eyeballs are your eyeballs. And uh, when you see it. We're in the business yeah. of data visualization. Well, you know, we, we love the charts. I'll bring I'll bring too many. You guys will hate me. Yeah, and they're easy now, Todd. I'm such an idiot. I didn't realize how easy it is to share the screen. Yes. Oh, hit the button. Share the screen. Okay. <laughs> Toby, only half the audience thinks that way about you, so you don't have to worry, okay? (laughs) But anyway, but that's awesome. Go ahead, ahead, Steve. Final word with you. So we're we're saying some scary stuff now, right, about the banks. So let me just bring it all back together. Uh, As a price action guy, like you guys have described me, we have a line in the sand. We always want a line in the sand. Like, where are we wrong, right? Because we're bullish, right? right? We're constructive. We think the overall market is still in a bottoming phase, Right. You don't just go from a downtrend to an uptrend. There's a sideways trend, you know, in between. That's what's going on right now. I think what throws a big wrench in that thesis is, like we said, the banks and the financials keep collapsing. For us, it's XLF, which is the large cap uh, financial sector spider, 3050. Uh, 3050 is that level. That's the pre-financial crisis highs. It also lines up pretty damn well with the 2018 highs, which is key level, and the pre-COVID highs, right? So if and when we break that level, you will see further downside, further selling pressure. The broader market will, will be under pressure, and it will warrant a far more cautious stance, yeah. right? So 30, 30.50 on the XLF? Street? That's it. Most important chart, most important level in the market for me right now. Totally. Okay. Early I early, like it. That's early. awesome. Well, that's great. Well, we're going to leave it there. And definitely 3050 on the XLF. We'll definitely get that out and promote that. So Steve Strazzo, thank you so much for joining us. He is Director of Research at All Star Charts. And we do invite all of the audience to go to allstarcharts.com and sign up. They have a 30-day free trial. You have nothing to lose. Just give it a shot and you'll definitely Steve, Steve read a lot of that with Steve probably has a suit tie on uh, at, at that site, though, too. He's not, you know. He looks sharp. Sharp chest man. That's the case. <laughs> Great to have you on the show, Steve. This was fun. There guys. you go. Definitely. We can't wait to have you back. Can't wait to have you back. So, listen, so on behalf of Steve Straza and Toby Smith, I am Todd Schoenberger. Thank you again for joining us on Buy, Hold, Sell. We'll catch you next time. Take care. Buy, Hold, Sell brought to you by Crosscheck Management. I want you to smash that like button. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read.